everyone and welcome to episode 72 of the Retrospectors podcast, Star Fox 64. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Sterlings. James, Star Fox 64, have you have you played this one before? It's one I've heard a lot about, one I've never touched myself. Uh, I've played Lila Wars before, that's <laughs> for sure. I don't know about this Star Fox 64 ripoff. Yes, so Lila Wars is the, um, is that the Australian name for the game? Yeah, it's the Australian and like PAL version for the game. So apparently back on like some Atari or game console or something, there was like a Star Fox game that had the had the rights to the name, so they had to change it in PAL territories, which, you know, led to a bit of confusion around the place. Although I think that company's now defunct as the remake uh, on the 3DS went back to, you know, the Star Fox 64 name in all the regions. It's funny, I've never even heard of this Lilat Wars thing since, even though, obviously, we both live in Australia. So, I didn't have a Nintendo 64, though, but it's always been, I've always thought of it as Star Fox 64. Yeah, see, I did own a 64 growing up, um, but I only rented it from Blockbuster back when that was still, you know, a real thing that existed. Um, so, I played... I'd say I played around like a quarter to like half of this game when I was a little kid, um, but I never owned a copy of it myself. Yeah, see, I wasn't, you know, a dirty console owning peasant. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, we used to uh, we used to play this game a little bit um, at after school care where there was a Nintendo sixty four and we all had to take you know five minute turns. It was very tragic. So, so like one level <laughs> one level per person. Yeah, that's what it boiled down to. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's really my only exposure to this game. But um, it's it's a good pick because it's one I've been wanting to uh to check out for a while. So for those who've never listened to us before, James and I make up the Retrospectors podcast. Uh, each and every fortnight, we play through classic games of the past to determine if they've truly stood the test of time. Most importantly, we are not a nostalgia podcast. We're not here to reminisce on our memories of this game or to understand it in the context in which it was produced. James and I played this game over the past two weeks, and we're here to talk about our experience of it today, and we're going to review and discuss it from a modern perspective. So for those who haven't played the game before, Star Fox 64, which, uh, as we said, is also known as Lilat Wars in the PAL regions, is a 3D rail shooter game developed by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64, and it was first released in 1997. It's the second game in the Star Fox series, coming four years after the Super Nintendo game. Uh, the series has a sequel and a couple of spin-offs and has been remade once for the Nintendo 3DS in 2011. But for the most part, the only ways you can play it are on Nintendo 64 or the 3DS. Uh, we emulated it this fortnight. Um, I used Project 64. Did you use the same one, James? Yeah, I did. I hear there's better emulators out there, but this is the one that was already on my computer, so uh, it ran fine for me, to be honest. Yeah, it ran fine for me, although I did encounter some slowdowns at times, particularly on the water level, and then uh, periodically at other stages, 
but I imagine that's just uh, what the that that's kind of intrinsically part of the experience, unless you play the 3DS version. So if you're going to emulate it, you'll get slowdowns. Was was it the same for you? Did you have slowdowns? Yeah, I had a little bit occasionally. I didn't have too much, and I was running mine at like 2K um, upscaled to hell, mm-hmm. um, and it ran fine. Otherwise, you know, everything was very responsive. Yeah, me too. Um, and it worked fine with an Xbox controller, which I was very happy about. Um. I thought um I I do wonder though if this is one game where the Nintendo 64 controller actually shines but you know probably not. <laughs> yeah, I did rebind my controls a bit from the standard. Um obviously the N64 controller doesn't map perfectly to like a DualShock or a you know a 360 controller which many people have. Um so I ended up, you know, C stick C buttons obviously go on the right analog stick although I did end up moving um the up button on the c stick to like my select button because i kept bumping it by mistake and changing my point of view <laughs> i did um, that a few times as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> the- um and i did actually remap shoot from a face button to um a shoulder button quite early on because i found i wanted to use both analog sticks and be able to shoot at the same time most of the time so i found that having bomb and shoot on the shoulder buttons worked a lot better than the default you know mapping a and b to face buttons that i started with see that's interesting because i bound it to a and x shoot and bomb uh the big change for me is that the it's very confusing so the nintendo 64 controller has two shoulder buttons and um one of them is a sharp turn to the right or left but then the other sharp turn is actually on the z trigger which is underneath the controller so i bound the sharp turns right and left to the two um to the two shoulder pads but i have no idea why it wasn't like that by default um well i mean because you hold the middle and the right side of the n64 controller oh right, i so see right yes yeah, yeah. so ba- you, you basically just ignore the left side of the controller in most games to be honest Okay, um, yes. But yeah, I did the same thing. It makes sense just to have them on the trigger buttons. It's, it's far more comfortable. So yeah, make sure you put those sharp turns on the shoulders because uh it's um it's very important that you're able to execute those fast turns in um in the open range levels. So um Star Fox sixty four. The the story of the game is fairly simple. Um you play as Fox McCloud, he's the leader of Star Fox, which is a fighter squadron. Um, a few years after an evil guy called Andros killed his father, um, Andros tries to take over the galaxy, or, or the solar system rather. Um, you and your team must fight across the solar system and eventually destroy the evil Andros once and for all. So you have to, you know, fight a succession of battles in space and on planets um, as you move in towards, or sorry, out out of the system to where Andros's base is, encountering heavier and heavier resistance along the way. Um, so there's not really a whole lot to stay, say about the story, but I did want to touch on it briefly. Um, one of the big things about the story that I quite liked is it's very short. The way the game is ultimately structured, and we'll get to the specifics of that a bit later on, is that uh, your story through this game is only seven levels, uh, six missions and then the final level. And I thought that having such a short, self-contained story actually is quite enjoyable. Um, it's paced extremely well. You blitz through it pretty quickly. 
And it kind of feels like all of these battles are taking place within an hour of one another. So it really does feel like one big long mission to take out the big bad. Yeah, I think that if you were to play like pretty, you know, fast from start to finish, you could beat, you know, the seven levels in like 40 minutes, half an hour, that kind of time frame. It's very quick, but it's the kind of game that you're going to be playing through over and over and taking different paths through the game uh, each time because obviously there's branching paths which we'll get to. Um, I agree. I think that Star Fox 64 really understands the value of brevity. Um, part of this, I think, which is kind of funny, um, so this game has full voice acting, which is quite unusual for a Nintendo 64 title, um, but the, the voice acting is very, very short and snappy. Like, everything the characters say is, like, one line at most ever. And there's a lot of, like, little bits of dialogue all throughout the game, but I think this was mainly because of hardware limitations more than anything when they were making this game. But I think it actually makes the game hold up better overall because the short and sweet nature of all the little bits of dialogue make it a very easy game to jump into and play. You don't get bogged down with dialogue or story. You just get to play the game with the, you know, the added benefit of a bit of like nice fluff on the top of it. It just thematically fits in as well because if you've ever watched Top Gun or any movie with, uh, with you know, fighter planes, the way that the fighter pilots tend to talk to one another is lots of short, you know, short and quick exchanges. Um, I guess you could say Star Fox feels most influenced by star wars in the way that you've got you know a squadron of fighters you know moving through space to accomplish a mission against an evil guy and i would say that star fox 64 does a pretty good job emulating the kind of exchanges that they have and um the voice acting is good like when we yeah, played games from this era the voice acting is usually extremely painful to listen to and here it it just works fine. You don't notice any issues with it. So I think um I think it's really well done. There's some great lines too. Like there's a reason that this game gets quoted like all the time. Um like Star Wolf in particular and um you know all of the characters I think are pretty quotable. And the short little lines all you know lots of the characters will only say like three words at a time but i think they did a really good job of carefully picking the words to give like a little bit of personality to the characters like falco's an asshole and all the things he says make him sound really arrogant and the you know half of his delivery is through the way you know he intonates his lines and i think they did a great job of making these characters feel alive with just these like tiny little snippets yeah they're simple but they have distinct personalities like you can identify them immediately based on how they're speaking in their tone of voice um i also think that uh something that made me grow more attached to these characters than i otherwise would have is your interactions with them in a gameplay sense one of the things yeah. you often have to do is you have to shoot down um enemy fighters that are on their tail and sometimes it's a bit tricky to do so like you'll need to speed up and you're trying to dodge things and you shoot them down and then they give you a little thank you and it's it's a little thing but it does a lot to enamor you to these characters just that little exchange and interaction you had with them or in falco's case this like backhand <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well with falco it's always uh he's always you know very reluctantly saying thank you but but the if these characters were just 
passive AI companions that were just flying alongside you, I think I wouldn't have liked them as much as how they're more involved in the gameplay than you might think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so that's all I really have on the story. Like, it's incredibly simple. You know, you're just hunting down a big bad. But what's here is well executed and uses brevity to its advantage. Uh, I think that the next thing we should talk about, James, is probably the structure of Star Fox 64. Because this is probably the probably the most complicated part of the game. We've kind of done something a little bit similar to this before when we played Armored Core, which had branching paths, but that was a very convoluted and difficult to understand system. With Star Fox 64, it's far easier. So the basic idea is that there are 14 levels in Star Fox plus two ending missions that I'm kind of keeping separate. And the level design structure is a diamond. So you start at one level uh, at one end and you finish at one level at the other end but the path you take to reach that endpoint is a branching path that spreads out and then spreads back in again Uh, so you'll only do six of those missions plus the final one but the exact path you take through will be one of 14. There's 25 different paths all up, isn't there, I think? Yeah, so so 25 if you if you look at every single unique possible path, there's 25 paths, but a lot of those paths will be like one level different from the others. So yeah. realistically, there's probably I don't know four to five main main paths that you can take. I uh, James, I just just so everyone knows, so I played through this game twice. The first time I played through, I kind of just did whatever. Like I, I wasn't trying to get any kind of ending. And I played like four of the easier levels and two of the medium difficulty ones. And then I played it through again. And this time I had a guide and I specifically chose the hardest path. So I think I experienced... 11 or 12 of the 14 levels did you um did you get a good good grasp of all the levels in this game yeah so i went through and i um so the way it generally works is that if you just play through each level straight you'll probably end up on the easy route which you know takes the bottom row of planets um on your way to venom at the end um but generally there'll be like some of the levels will have this hidden optional objective that if you complete, you'll end up going to a different planet. For example, uh, on the first, very first level of the game, um, there's a set of arches that you need to fly through all nine of them in order to trigger the, the alternate path. Um, stuff like that that you need to like discover through playing the game multiple times. Um, so... I remembered the first one of these um, as a kid, so I was like, I'll just I'll just go through the easy route first. So I did the normal ray first, and then the second time I tried to get to the hard part and then failed, and so I went up to one of the hard levels, um, down through the medium ones, and then on my third playthrough I looked up how to actually get to the hard levels. Um, so I think I played through the game three and a half times about, um, and I played each level at least once. So James, how do you um how do you feel about this open-ended structure? Do you think that this kind of experience where in a single playthrough you experience, I guess, a particular fraction of the game is better or worse than if this game had been 14 levels in a row with a increasing difficulty along the way? 
Um, I think that kind of experience would be fine. Um, but I think there's like a fun novelty here that you don't get in a lot of other games, and I personally really enjoy it. Um, like this is like the perfect game to own as a kid because you can just play it over and over, trying to like. I feel like this game would have been more fun before the internet was popular. Like just trying to figure <laughs> out like all of the different possible paths. Like as a kid, um, owning this game for years, um, but even without that kind of thing and when i was just like stumbling it through it recently i'm trying to get through based on memory i found it pretty satisfying to be able to get to you know figure out how to get to some of the harder levels um i think it's really good for players of like all skill levels too because like anyone can just get to the end i reckon um and then you know if you want to keep playing you can keep pushing yourself to go through those harder and harder routes and even if, you know, you've played through the game a dozen times, you can, you know, pick a route based on how you're feeling at the time. I think it's pretty cool. One of the things I really like is that uh, you can aim for the more difficult path and then kind of fail on one mission, but the game isn't over. The game continues and you're going to have multiple opportunities throughout the rest of your run to reach that true ending that's only available on about half of the routes. So I like this idea of as you play, if you're just playing organically, you're going to sometimes get the path you want and sometimes it's not going to be exactly right, but you're still going to have a satisfying experience as you play through the game. I think it's really fun. I'd like to see more games that do this. I think it's a good way to encourage like short but satisfying play sessions like you can get to the mm. end in about 40 minutes and feel satisfied you know with the run that you've done star fox is also like a, a high score kind of game like where you're trying to get better and better at doing the levels and i think that including this kind of branching structure um, makes a score attack game kind of more enjoyable to replay over and over because you can just take different paths each time instead of like you know doing the exact same thing every time so you can still try to you know get better scores but it does reduce some of that annoying repetition right yeah and i think this comes back to that difficulty thing that you were mentioning before so i think Star Fox 64 has a fantastic approach to difficulty like you said if you are new to this game like i was and you have no real idea what you're doing Star Fox 64 is a pretty easy game to get through. You can just kind of slide along the easy path with little to no experience. But even as you're playing on that easy path, there is so much to do in terms of optimizing and perfecting your route through these levels. There are all the enemies to kill, all the collectibles to pick up, um, using bombs at the right time versus using your charged attack, your movement, all these little bits to optimize your efficiency. So Star Fox 64 is both immediately accessible and easy to play, but also like insanely difficult to master. And the game gives you a lot of rope to really, really, really try and improve and play the game perfectly. Yeah, and the difficulty isn't the kind of difficulty where the game will kill you a lot. Like, I feel like it's actually pretty hard to properly die in this game unless you're on, like, the very hardest route sometimes. 
Um, yeah, the um the one the one level that actually gave me a shitload of trouble was I think it's called Area Six. It's like the last non-boss hard level. I don't know if you had any issues with that one. Is that the one with the second Star Wolf fight where they've got the upgraded ships? No, it's it's just before that, or you know when you're in space, uh, just before that. Oh yeah, I know the one with the the boss that just goes invisible for a few seconds. Yeah, and, yeah. So know. that I the first time I tried that uh, that path, I lost all my lives. No, not even like at the boss, just trying to get through mm-hmm. those early bits. So I found that one level to be ki- absolutely killer. But but I I agree with you. Apart from that level, yeah. Apart from a couple of difficulty spikes, um, which we'll go into more detail in later, because I have some complaining to do um (laughs) i think that this idea that it's pretty easy to just get through without dying but really hard to get a really good score um it makes it very accessible right like anyone can have fun with this game um and they and get better at it at their own pace um so yeah i completely agree star fox 64 is just a fun accessible game for all levels of players right like anyone can have fun with this game yeah it's it's a good approach to difficulty yeah so let's get a quick music break we'll go we'll have an early one because this is probably going to be a shorter episode um patrick what did you think about the music of star fox 64 uh so i thought it was good but also very repetitive uh i struggle to easily tell the difference between a lot of these tracks and while uh the tracks were on theme you know it's kind of like i guess you'd say it's a lot of like horns and bombastic battle music but it's kind of like low resolution so it sounds like synthesized it's lots of midi trumpets like yeah, so yeah. many um, yeah yeah when i was playing through the game i enjoyed the background music because it's very it's often like punctuated with lots of explosion sounds and chatter so mm-hmm. it was fine as background noise when like what i usually do when choosing the songs for the music breaks is that patrick and i will go and we'll listen to the soundtrack by itself when I was listening to the soundtrack by itself, I was not really enjoying it, to be honest. But like when I'm in game, I think it's good and fitting. It's just not music to be listened to on its own, in my opinion. Yeah, it's on theme and well executed, but mostly it's kind of boring, um, is how I describe <laughs> it. It's not. It's not particularly. Uh, it's like I said. It's hard to re- distinguish between the tracks because they all are so similar to one another but it does the job for the experience you're having yeah i think it's fine and it adds to the experience overall when you're like actually playing the game um so did you have a piece of music that you wanted to pick so i went with uh star wolf's theme because uh that's the track that is the most memorable to me of of these tracks i think that star wolf and his posse are very entertaining and i like the idea of the two rival squadrons having a um having a four-on-four fight so and i think the track does a good job so uh this is star wolf
That was the Star Wolf track. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good too. I think it lends a good sense of menace to when they uh, rock up unexpectedly hmm. uh, multiple times throughout the adventure. So, well, interestingly, it's only ever once during the adventure, right? It's just um, the point at which they rock up depends on when you like what what path you take is that how it works i think you can have them appear twice oh yeah because because you can yeah you can just go to the hard path late yeah you're right yeah because you can take the 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 secret warp from x to z and then you can yeah so you can do them twice um but it's it's funny that i feel like the game's progression knows that you've played the other routes so it kind of like it's it, it's like it's as if you've played all 14 in that one run uh it's, <laughs> it's kind of weird like that um but let's go talk a bit about the moment to moment gameplay because i thought that it, for the most part it was a lot of fun um just like the story i think that this game knows how to be concise and like lean like uh I feel there's not a lot of repetition in this game. Like, levels are very short. They're, like, three to five minutes long. Um, and they just throw new idea after new idea after new idea at you. We should um we should explain the gameplay a bit. Yeah, games, let's... Because yeah, not, you not everyone knows it, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a rail shooter. So the idea is that, like, Pokemon Snap, which is the only really other rail shooter we've done you're you're not free to move around in your starfighter this isn't like freelance or archimedean dynasty where you've got 360 degrees of control um your ship is always moving forwards um you can adjust the speed at which you're moving forward with a boost that pushes you forward or you can kind of put on the brakes a bit and move slower but you're going along a track now along that track you still have room to move left and right and um you know you can change the speed at which you're moving left and right you can go up and down but there's a constant sense of forward momentum as you're moving through the level um and the camera will always be orientated in that direction so you'll have um a view of what's in front of you always as you're moving forwards uh, along the way, what you're doing is you're shooting enemy fighters and uh, enemy emplacements. There are a couple of levels that deviate from this, but you're basically mainly fighting Andros's forces. Um, you'll move through the level and eventually you'll fight a boss at the end of the level, which will have its own mechanics and gimmicks to it. Uh, so that's the game. You move around, you shoot, you shoot enemy fighters, you dodge the fires they're shooting at you. You try not to die and you try to kill everything. Yeah, most of the time you'll be piloting the R-Wing, which is just like a fighter jet kind of thing. Um, but there are levels that use alternate vehicles. For example, there's a tank, the Landmaster, which you're stuck on the ground. Um, and there's also uh, a boat for one level, a submarine rather, um, which you'll, you know has access to infinite torpedoes. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you are just moving forwards and shooting things. And I found this to be a lot of fun for the whole experience, right? I think that something that makes enemies fun to fight in this game is how lethal shooting is. Like, there's not a lot of damaged spongy enemies in this game. Things die either in one hit or in maybe, like, five if they're, like, a big dude. And then even, like, the boss fights, um, bosses are mostly um these big units that are comprised of multiple like parts like uh there'll be a guy there'll be um a boss with two arms for example and you can shoot the arms separately so even though the total boss's health is like a lot um you know shooting the arm 
from full to zero doesn't take very long at all. So uh, I think that the game does a good job at giving you like feedback and, you know, things you're killing really, really fast because you kill a lot of stuff um, in a quite a short period of time in this game. I'd actually go one step further, James, and say the gameplay of this game is excellent. Like, I had a shitload of fun playing through Star Fox 64, more than I was expecting. Uh, the re- the controls are incredibly responsive, and you can move around the screen really quickly. Um, the aiming is, is interesting in that it's kind of like uh, you apply pressure to move your aiming cursor to the left or right or up or down, and then when you release it, it will kind of slide back. So you kind of have to balance... Um, moving moving left and right carefully as you're also controlling your your aircraft and what i found is that it was very uh responsive to control like i always felt like i had a lot of agency over my fighter jet or tank or whatever it was but i could feel like it was going to be it was difficult to actually nail everything properly and what you've described of the experience of fighting enemies i feel is only half of Star Fox 64 and I'd say the other half is what I'd call the platforming of the game which is (laughs) your effective movement throughout the world because there's a lot of things to dodge whether it's enemy air fire or literal obstacles that appear in your way and also there are lots of goodies to grab and you're incentivized to be swinging left and right all over the screen at max speeds trying to pick up all these items while also trying to destroy everything and trying to find the balance between not dying, picking up power-ups, killing enemies is a very fun dance, I found. And I found it was uh, difficult, but also enjoyable to get better at. Yeah, and the levels are quite reactive too. Like, for example, you know, you mentioned all the goodies you can pick up around the level. There'll be stuff like um, you're moving forward and there'll be... Um, a gate and if you shoot the gate five times it'll open and you can see a goodie behind it to fly through the gate and pick it up like Mm -hmm. there's stuff to shoot on the levels that to break them open to find things to you know do the alternate pass there's one level where you're chasing a train and you need to make sure that you shoot all of the levers in order to change the train's direction on the tracks Um, there's all sorts of little interactables throughout the levels that make them feel kind of like alive and well designed Um, And I agree with you, the movement does feel fun. Um, Something that I think makes the level design really good is the inclusion of the boost bar. So in addition to being able to just move, you know, around on the screen, you have access to this little gauge, the boost bar, that, you know, it stays on max. And then you can use like a special ability, which will you know, drain it, and then it'll have to recharge for five seconds. And you have access to quite a few little special gimmicks that you can use during the game. For example, you can do um, loop-de-loops, or you can do a boost so you go extra fast, or you can apply your brakes so you slow down. And in a lot of games, I think they would just give you, like, free access to these abilities. What this game does well, I think, is that by putting it on this bar that needs to recharge you need to like deliberately use these um in time with obstacles a lot of the time like uh when you're in the tank there's often these like uh things you have to jump over but you can only jump like once you jump if you jump too early then you can't jump again for like two seconds so you need to like time it with the jumps coming up or like there'll be you'll be in a city 
and the skyscrapers will be falling down and you need to use your brakes so that they fall down faster than you otherwise you'll collide with them and i thought that having to you know pick and choose my abilities based on what was going on in the level was a lot more fun um, and rewarding feeling than just being able to do that whenever I wanted to. Yeah, uh, and the other ability which we didn't mention is, of course, the meme-tastic barrel roll, <laughs> which gives you temporarily um, temporary invulnerability to specific enemy projectiles. Um, so, so once again, I just feel this all ties into the theme of there's lots happening on the screen at once. You need to prioritize your movement and aiming all of these things, it's not about necessarily living or dying because the difficulty isn't geared in such a way that if you miss a power-up, you're going to lose. But you feel like you can always feel like you can do better playing this game. And it's really fun improving as you play this game and learning to move better and learning to aim faster. And uh, yeah, it, it, I just want to say, James, it was a really unique title like i haven't played anything quite like this and i i think the moment to moment gameplay is really strong like this is a game that's moment to moment gameplay even though we don't really see games of this type anymore i think it still holds up today and i had a lot of fun um, making my way through all these levels yeah like i think a lot of it comes to just how jam-packed the level design is like there is new stuff happening like in a time frame of like milliseconds, I feel like there is a new idea every couple of seconds, like, you know, one second you're going through these falling buildings and then suddenly uh, there's a whole bunch of different enemies that you haven't seen before on screen and then suddenly something else is happening. It's just like the levels are really, really short. They're like five minutes long, but they pack, you know, so much stuff to do in every single one. It never feels boring and it almost feels like they never reuse an idea either. There's 14 levels and they're all like completely different to each other for the most part. It's like the complete opposite of something like you know, the modern Assassin's Creed games or modern Far Cry games, which just jam-pack your map with shit to do. This <laughs> and it's is all the, the same, yeah. Yeah, these levels are five minutes long, but those five minutes are five minutes fantastically spent. And you could replay that same level like five times over and it would be fun every time. Yeah. Like that, that's how good it is. It's. It, I just don't want to undersell, undersell it. This The moment-to-moment -moment gameplay for the most part, with a couple of exceptions, is really good. Going back to the difficulty for a second, something that I really enjoyed was that they, like, they locked unique gameplay behind, you know, successfully getting to the harder levels. Like, there is one underwater level in the whole game, uh, and it's on the hard path, so if you want to see the third vehicle, you have to get there. But it feels but James, really good to go and does play it, it feel good? Because I fucking yeah. hated that water level. <laughs> it was a punishment. It was atrocious. Uh, yeah, I feel like they had a really cool idea for that level. Like They were like, what we'll do is we'll put it in the dark and it'll make the torpedoes light the dark up. And they're like, oh, that's a good idea. And then they tried to implement the lighting in the Nintendo 64, and it didn't quite Couldn't work. handle it. Yeah, that's how I felt <laughs> that, about that level. That, that whole level runs at about half speed, and it's really <laughs> painful. It, it's probably completely fine on the 3DS version, because I imagine they fixed up all those slowdowns. Yeah. But yeah, that, uh, that submarine level is the worst level in the game by far, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> 
I actually disagree with the worst level. I actually really, really dislike the true ending level. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I felt that... So there's two endings, endings to the game. Um, there's just a normal ending and there's a true ending with a bunch of extra stuff in it. I felt... Before we get into that, actually, do you want to talk about all range mode? Um, yeah, be- sure. Because because this is this is the other part of the game. Uh, most of the time playing this game, you're in this rail shooter section, but um, every now and then the game will change to all range mode. So all range mode is a little tricky to explain because it's not. Once again, it's not full three hundred and sixty degree fighting, but it is more open than the rail shooting. Think of it like you're in a big circle and you can turn left or right, but you can't control your um you can't control your vertical uh excel. Yeah, uh, like you can move movement. to the top and the bottom of the screen, but you can't like change your range. You can't go up drastically or down drastically. So um and you're constant so and you get free movement but you even though you're in space you can't stop you can't come to a stop and just turn around you you're going forward constantly and you're in a, you're in a big field and if you walk, run into the end of the field it will just flip you around the other way so it's like um it's like you're on a big uh big football field and you can you can only go go forwards to be honest, I found this kind of gameplay really hit and miss here. Um, in some levels, it worked for me, but some of the level, the like some of the objectives in these levels, I found more frustrating than fun compared to the like consistently fun rail shooter segments. Um, I, especially when it gets more difficult, like. Um, I found that the AI in this game was extremely good at staying behind you and in your blind spots. And, like, at the start of the game, it's pretty manageable. You can use, like, your loop-de-loops and, like, your quick turns to get, like, back and get the drop on your enemy. Once the game gets really hard, um, like the the final Star Wolf mission, for example... Um, I found find it really difficult to actually ever get to shoot things. Um, so I was kind of like really in the middle. And also that there was that level that had the big spaceship um, come down that occasionally opened up its weak point. I found that like the way it was timed made it really awkward. Like sometimes because you're constantly moving forward, um, you often missed the window of opportunity just because you were in you know the wrong spot at the wrong time. I um I agree with you, James. I wasn't really a big fan of all range mode. It's partly because we've come from playing games like Archimedean Dynasty and Freelancer, Freelancer and, yeah, and to just... a lesser extent, um, Aquinox, but that that has its own problems that I won't go into now. But those games, the 3D space combat was extremely good, uh, yeah. and having full control was a lot of fun. So having this weird restrictive halfway point between the open world combat and the rail combat just doesn't really work for me. And everything you said is true. Having to just constantly turn around. What what I ended up doing was if there was an enemy kind of close to me, I would fly away from it so that I could take a sharp turn and have time to shoot it as I was moving in towards it. And it never felt good, but yeah. it turned out to be the most effective way for me to play the game. So yeah, all range mode ranges from 
you know, mediocre and inoffensive to straight up bad. And the the mission that gave me a lot of trouble was the one with the missiles that again fired at your ship. Oh, that was like one of the only ones I liked. Okay, <laughs> I, I sh- my, my problem is the missiles get fired from beyond the range of the field that you're stuck in. And if you go towards, oh, towards the missiles t- too soon, <laughs> you're going to loop-de-loop back away from them and then you t- to try and execute a turn and you turn right on top of them and it's just very awkward. You, you need to approach them at the right time and place. And it feels kind of artificial in how you're going about it in the end. Yeah, I can see how that'd be really annoying. I never That never happened to me because I'd always spot them too late because I was too busy like trying to save Slippy Toad from some movie or something. <laughs> <From> death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but like the the I think the easy ones, like the the normal the easy route um defense station is fine with the six things around the circle. That's fine. It's when like things are starting to get hard to keep in your field of vision that it becomes unfun. And there's I feel like there's nowhere near the level of creativity in these levels that the normal rail shooter levels have because there's like not as much stuff to pick up, not as much stuff to interact with. Like, sure, there's maybe a turret on the ground to shoot, but I don't know. It just wasn't as enjoyable for me. And it kind of yeah. made me sad that there wasn't an easy route through the game that just avoids all of them. You just have to do it <laughs> at least once. And just and... do the rail fighter stuff, yeah. Because, yeah, it, it is it is a marked departure in quality. But I would say the game is split up like 80% rail shooter, 80 to 85% rail shooter, maybe 15% um, all range mode. So yeah. it's not a significant part of the experience. Most of the time you're still playing the fun part of this game. I actually really liked both of the tank levels. I thought they were great. I think that they grew uh, on me. Yeah. Well, I liked them to begin with because the way the movement is cool cuz you're on the ground, but your quick turn buttons just boost you to the side really quickly and you can jump. I thought it was really fun. Um and I liked the inclusion of those like booster jets on it. It made it more enjoyable to control. So um I didn't realize you could jump with the tank like I missed the prompt. And then I got to this bit on the where you're chasing the train. Yeah. Where you have to jump. <laughs> yeah. And I just died. I was like, what the fuck am I meant to do? <laughs> and then on the uh the second playthrough after I died, I, I saw the prompt. I'm like, I, I know uh, what to do now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oops. Yeah, the the tank levels were good. I, I still think overall I enjoyed the levels and the fighters the most. But um because it's only one or two levels, it's just a nice little novelty. So I don't, I don't mind them. Which is your favorite level? So I think my favorite level was called Zones, which is like a toxic waste planet. Uh, I think it just has a good balance of difficulty with the rail shooting. It's got lots of interesting things to fight. And I quite liked the the boss, which uh, where you had to use bombs to uh, to destroy his armor over time. Because there's a mechanic where he's shooting projectiles at you that if you destroy them, you get more bombs. But then you need to use those bombs to destroy the vehicle he's in. So it's this nice balance of trying to dodge his attacks, destroy his attacks, pick up the power-ups, and then use the bombs on the enemy, kind of all wrapped up in one little boss package. So it kind of took 
all of the aspects of the game that I enjoyed and condense it down into a boss fight. And it also had that really cool. Uh, I liked the searchlight gimmick. The like with the oh uh, yeah, the alternate path on that level, you had to like sneak through without being spotted. So you had to kill like twenty or something searchlights. That was cool. Um, I actually agree. It is my favorite level too. Um, it would be a tie, but uh, probably between that and the sun. Uh, I liked the solar level as well because the the gimmick of the sun is that you're taking constant damage because it's so hot and if you go closer to the sun's surface you take more um, but there are these like magma rocks that pop up and if you shoot them they drop health so you need to like constantly be refilling your health while dodging like um, solar flares and you know the boss fight and all that kind of stuff I thought that was a really fun level too yeah but but mostly I wouldn't say like zones is like so far ahead of the others though i i think that the quality it's of these levels is actually close. very yeah it's very consistent like from the very first level i think i found myself having fun so while zones was my favorite it's not by a large margin yeah you mentioned a boss fight can we let's talk about the bosses because i think the bosses in this game are straight up excellent um i really really like the fact that most of their designs is that they're just covered in all of these little bits that you need to shoot off it's not just you need to shoot the one guy for like five minutes until he dies it's you have these mini objectives in the boss fights you need to shoot off this guy's arm or the four weak points that are behind this spinning shield um, or grab the bombs and use the bombs on you know two of the parts to expose the rest uh the boss fights are very dynamic they have like two to three to four stages each um and they each stage only lasts a short amount of time so they're very you know you never get they never feel like slogs which i think some games can do this game the boss fights are short snappy and they all have like lots of little points of interest all over them i, I really like them i i think the bo bosses are quite good as well if anything i think they might die a little too quickly like you don't often you don't get to fully appreciate a stage before you're already ready to move on to the next one. Uh, I think my favorite boss is the one right near the end of the normal route, like the the bad ending, if you will, where you have to, you're chasing this um this person who's running through a cave, and as he's running through, he's like throwing down pillars and everything. So you're gradually shooting off the armor all that's covering all over his body. But then you need to do all this pretty elaborate dodging to dodge all these pillars that have fallen over. And I enjoyed that platforming part of the boss fight. Instead of dodging projectiles, who actually were sweeping in and up and around these pillars that had fallen over. Yeah, I ended up liking that boss less just because like visually it's not that interesting compared to a lot of the others. Like I agree the gameplay is good, but he himself looks kind of boring and as you shoot bits off him, he doesn't really change. Like compared to bosses like that underwater one uh, or the boss in the asteroid field that spins around after you shoot the back of it off, I think that lots of them are very visually engaging and the final boss too I really like. Um, but like in general i think they're quite high quality for the most part even even that shitty water level the boss was fun to fight yeah i i guess for me what i value more from these boss fights is what they mechanically provide as opposed to their visual design and i think that 
while I agree with you about the visual design, I think that mechanically they ended up being probably fairly simple. Like they're good boss fights, don't get me wrong, but it's not like they've got difficult or interesting patterns to dodge, really. It's just a matter of um, even even the very final boss, I, w- I wouldn't say has interesting patterns to dodge. Once you understand these boss fights gimmicks and weak points, it's pretty easy just to take them out bit by bit. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, the difficulty is mostly about the scoring. Um, I think an actual problem is probably... I actually really don't like the barrel roll as much of a good meme as it is um, as oh, a you gameplay don't. Okay. mechanic. No, because if you mash it, it's just like... It feels like you're invincible and you just mash it constantly. But can you shoot while you're barrel rolling? I'm pretty sure you can. Like I was. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you just, it just seems too strong to me, and it doesn't use up the boost bar like all the other maneuvers do, so you can just do it constantly, and the only reason I wasn't doing it constantly was because I thought that that was a less fun way to play the game. I definitely used it a lot in Area 6, because I was struggling to get through some of those parts, so there was yeah. one section where I was, yeah, where I was spamming barrel roll, because I was struggling to dodge everything and deal with everything. I, uh, I, I didn't realize you could shoot during it. To me, that seems like a reasonable point of balance, where you have to choose to use a defensive move or you know kill enemies offensively but if you can if you can just free roll it like that then i agree that's a valid point of criticism yeah because it makes the bosses like it's it's too it's hard to design a challenging boss when you just have that button there um but i don't think honestly this is the kind of game where i don't think it would be a better game if the bosses were that much harder um, maybe maybe there could be some a lot much harder dodging on the harder routes potentially, um, but I thought they're like they're very like theme parky and I kind of liked that to be honest. Yeah, it, this isn't the kind of game where you want to get to the boss and then die twenty times trying yeah. to beat the <laughs> boss right, and then have to repeat everything previous to it. Uh, I, I'm just saying that they probably could have done with... I think the easiest way to increase that difficulty is just to make them make it take ever so slightly longer to kill a section of the boss because you can kill the boss in a minute a lot of the time, whereas if it was, you know, two and a half minutes, maybe maybe it's a tougher challenge. Yeah, I agree. Um, Patrick, how did you feel about the visuals of this game? Um, honestly... I think the the design like of everything still holds up pretty well. Um, it's the actual like a lot of the texturing's pretty poor at this stage. Like some, there's only one part of the whole game that I thought looked actively bad, um, and that was the defense satellite. It just has these like square blinking lights all over, and it looks kind of like. I don't know, I felt like they needed to do a second pass on that thing. Um, I actually thought the visuals were fine. Uh, I agree with you that, yes, the textures are definitely dated, but from a visual clarity uh, standpoint, like, can you see everything that you need to see clearly and act on it and make decisions? It's, Most of the it time. It nails it. No, uh, I wouldn't say nails it. I think this game can have problems with lighting, um, especially in, like, the sector... X, Y, and the underwater levels. Um, I think stuff can well, be hard to see. I know part it's, of that is the fog of war, right? Like it's a yeah, the draw distance they... is 
horrendous, right? But but that's intentional, right? Like the short draw distance needs to be there, doesn't it? Like if the draw distance was infinite, I don't think it would work as well as a rail shooter. Part of the gameplay experience is reacting to these things happening, coming at you from not very far away. And I don't know how else you do that without a short draw distance. Well, half the enemies enter your field of view from the side of the screen, right? From like the top or the bottom behind you from the sides. Um, there's like come up from holes in the architect. Like in the last level, there are these um, holes in the floors that enemies come out of. I think they do, you know, I think a lot of the current level design that's already there would work. Okay, I for, for me, the short draw distance, I just accepted as part of the experience of a rail shooter like if i think if one of these games was designed today you should deliberately give it a shorter draw distance um it it's like when you're playing these you know, we, we haven't done was it a shoot 'em up a shmup we haven't done one of those before but those games are intrinsically kind of set up with a short draw distance because you can only see to the edge of your screen it's not a you know a front-on perspective and to me, a short draw distance is basically replicating that experience. This is an instance where, and you know, I fucking hate short draw distances. It's one of the big things I hated about Banjo-Kazooie, for example. But I think that in this game, in this context, it's actually justified. Mm-hmm. In that in that all-range mode versus the... They were like monkey Gundams. Um, do you remember that one? I found the far, the, the ones that flew around quickly. Yeah, I found the boss. Yeah. Like, was it intentional that it was really hard to see unless you were like right up in its face? Like, I found that it, like, the lighting in that was horrendous. Okay, that's fair. Oh wait, yeah. When it changes to all range mode, I think that the arguments I'm making about the draw distance actually go down the toilet. Like you should, you, you should, you should, because there's no reason for the, uh, for the vision to be artificially limited there. That's just bad design. But, but specifically for the rail shooter bits, uh, that's my, that's my, uh, that's the position I'm taking. For the uh, open range bits, yeah, it's no good. You should, you should be able to see the edge of the arena because that also pissed me off. I think, I think the game looks fine still, honestly. Like, there are obviously bits that look, you know, like the, the boss in the sun level is just like a big blob with <laughs> a murky texture. That's probably like the worst looking enemy in the game. But everything else is kind of like, a lot of the enemies are just like abstract shapes um, with like lasers coming out of them. Um, I think it works perfectly fine, to be honest. Yeah, and and I guess that's that's where I'd come from. I think that um, it visually, yeah, it's not pretty, but it's it works in a gameplay context. One of the problems I had with Burnout Three when we played it is that I think the visuals actually negatively impacted the experience because you couldn't actually tell when a corner was coming up or things were blending into the environment. It was tough tough to see sometimes. Except in the um the all range mode, I don't think that's ever an issue uh for the for the rail shooting sections. I think Burnout fixed that with the big flashing arrows that show you where a corner is. Well, <laughs> but, uh, maybe maybe I'm just dumb, but there were definitely levels, particularly the city levels in Burnout Three, where you're like racing under the the tram or train bridges. Yeah, where, it was hard. Yeah, though. where it was it was just hard to see what was going on and. Star Fox 64 doesn't really have that problem. So, yeah, yeah the visuals are ugly, but it's not going to negatively impact the gameplay much. 
I don't know if it's just me, but I really liked like I liked Andros when you finally saw him. His face is <laughs> very I don't know, it's really janky, but like it's got a lot of moving bits to it. It still looks kinda like It's claymation esque, right? Yeah, it's kind of like unsettling but in a good way. Um I It's like it. those um those portraits from Fallout 2. <laughs> yeah, they just move in really weird ways. Um I mean his face is covered in stuff to shoot too, so um it was really satisfying. Um other than all range mode, I struggle to have basically any criticism with this game, to be honest. Um And that sounds like we're ready to move on to final thoughts, James. Let's do another music break quickly though. Let's uh you, you picked a song, James. What uh what song did you pick? Yeah, so I picked the one from our lovely water level. Um I actually <laughs> genuinely think it's the best track in the game because it's uh uses fewer of the obnoxious MIDI trumpets I found. Um it has more of a synth sound to it and I quite liked that compared to every other track which blended together to me. So yeah, this is the Aquas music. That was the soundtrack to Aquas. Patrick, I know what you're going to say, but well, how did you feel about Lilac Wars? <laughs> Lilac Wars? What's that? Uh, I uh, I love Star Fox 64. I thought this game was fantastic. It actually was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, it's so rare that you play a game that has no fat on it. 
you know, this game only took me a few hours to breeze through. I did a couple of run-throughs, but most of my time time playing it, I was just having a lot of fun. I think it's the mixture of the gameplay being, the controls being responsive, but the ceiling on mastering those controls being quite high. That combination leads to a really enjoyable experience because you feel like you've got good control over your fighter as you're moving all over the place, gunning down enemies, but you also grasp that you can be doing so much better. And over the course of your time playing with it, you do get better and better at moving around and picking up those power-ups and dispensing of enemies. There are a couple of drop-offs, like the all-range mode and the water level, but Overall, this is an experience that I think you can have a blast playing through today. It's great for short sessions. You can pick this up for 40 minutes and do a full run and then and then drop it. Um, Star Fox 64 is a delight. I had a, I had a really good time with it and I highly recommend it. Great game. I completely agree for the most part, but I do want to emphasize that I think that most of the enjoyment, at least for me, came from the brilliant level design of Star Fox 64. The levels are just jam-packed with like new and exciting ideas. Like every minute uh, they're, they're throwing something new at you, be it, you know, shooting through doors, knocking down levers, avoiding different types of enemies with different attack patterns, jumping out of the way of huge colliding starships or falling sky scrapers you're doing chasing trains with a tank chasing trains with a tank going underwater in pitch black uh shooting monkey gundams in space you're just doing all sorts of stuff and the levels are littered with stuff to grab stuff to interact with it's just a delight from start to finish and there feels like there's no you know there's no wasted space it doesn't waste time with unnecessary repetition at the start of every level there is literally two sentences of dialogue between like the commander and star fox um everything's just short and sweet and good um so i agree i think star fox 64 or lilac wars um is a fantastic game and a whole lot of fun and it's really easy to recommend to basically anyone due to how accessible it is how short playthroughs are so um you know big thumbs up from me as well it was a real surprise for me like i i was expecting to enjoy it but i wasn't expecting to enjoy it this much it's um it's pretty good when you play these old games and they and they surprise you it 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 makes me wonder why this rail shooter genre is as dead as it is because I mean, there was a there was a new star fox game for wii u um i think platinum made that game actually can, can we call Zero? the wii u new anymore james i mean <laughs> that was how long ago like 10 years one generation was it 10 years oh my god i, I don't know i didn't own a wii u but but i'm just saying that this genre it it doesn't really have many games in it It, it's not something i mean it's not something i've really experienced before so to be honest half the star fox games are just remakes and relaunches of this one so it it makes me wonder you know with with indie game developing being such a big thing i wonder if someone's made an indie reimagining spiritual successor to star fox like if you've got successes to fall out and you know quake and all these other games why not Star Fox? so i might do some um do some research to see if there's something out there um well and you'll have to let me know well i'm kind of hoping that Star Fox zero gets ported to switch at some point because i'll definitely play that if they do that um 
it's one of those genres that's like it's pure fun it's like it's like eating sugar <laughs> it's, no, it's like it doesn't leave you you know it doesn't it's not like it's got this story that leaves you thinking about it for weeks or like it's got game i mean it's got gameplay to master but i feel like it's just pure fun and there's not a lot else you know and that can be a good thing absolutely but I feel like it limits the broad appeal somewhat. Yeah, the the only other real rail shooters I've played are the ones at, you know, arcades. Uh, and Star Fox 64 is just so far ahead of that experience. Uh, yeah, like playing stuff like House of the Dead and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I games agree. like that, yeah. All right, anyway, thank you everyone to for listening to us talk about Star Fox 64. James and I make up the Retro Spectres podcast. Each and every fortnight, we play through these classic games and let you know what we think about them. You can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. It's got uh, links to all of our episodes, also a bunch of articles that James and I have written. Um, most importantly... We'll put a link here, but also on the website, we've got a link to our Discord server. Our Discord server is where we take game suggestions, where we have discussions about old games and new, um, and where we do most of our community interaction. So if you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, we'd love if you would drop by and join our Discord server. So, James, uh, we did a short game this fortnight. We're doing yet another short game this fortnight. Uh, we've been playing through Fallout 2 uh, because we're going to be appearing on the Retro Asylum podcast to uh, review and discuss that. How are you finding your time with Fallout 2 so far, James? We can actually talk to one another about it because yeah, it's, it's not weird, for our isn't show. It? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, all three of us were kind of low on Fallout 1, I felt. Um, and to be honest, I'm higher on the game than I am than I was on the original um, by, you know, a fair bit. But I think a large part of that is that the character I'm playing this time is just more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Has more agility, right? Yeah, yeah. Instead of having three action points, I have the full ten. So I get to do a lot on my combat turns. Um, and I'm a sneaky thief, so I've been spending half my out-of-combat time just pickpocketing people, making a lot of money, which is, may I say, a much more enjoyable way to break the economy than pressing enter a thousand times in gambling um which was borderline grinding so uh yeah more fun this time but and i'm hoping that that continues um i'm also surprisingly having more fun with it i um interestingly i i did a range build last time so i wanted to try a melee build so i've got an unarmed character and much to my surprise, I'm enjoying the unarmed character far more than I did my gunslinger. Um, I know, I, I was shocked as well. Uh, mm. Because I've got like four different unarmed attacks and they're all different APs and I've got to move around and I'm doing more targeting of different body parts. It's it, My m main problem with Fallout 1 was how boring and terrible the combat was and yeah. i'm actually somewhat enjoying the combat this time around so it's not even um, like it changed though right it's the same well, combat yeah I, I i get i guess it must just be that it's quite possible that the combat's the same i, I don't know how unarmed what combat works in fallout one but it just feels a lot more involved um but yeah if um if you guys want to we did an episode on fallout one not too long ago we'll be doing fallout two on the retro asylum podcast so keep an eye on that in the next few two to three weeks there should be an episode up on that and um you should definitely go listen to us cap on it um so because of that we're doing a short game so um i've it's my pick this fortnight and i've actually decided to do yet another but Nintendo finally 64. 
finally decided it's taken us weeks to figure out this one <laughs> yeah it's a lot of these old games are not short so it's yeah. hard to find the right one but um or we've done them all already <laughs> oh we've done them already yeah so i've decided to go with another nintendo 64 title we're gonna do uh star wars pod racer that actually has a different name that i can never remember the name of it's uh, like it, it's just Star Wars Episode One Racer, and I always call it Pod Racer too. And I think like everyone must call it Pod Racer. Star Wars Pod Racer, and from what I've read, this is a game, another one of those games that my only experience through it was playing at after school care. So I haven't sat down and played it properly. But from what I've spoken to James about, it's just an F Zero GX ripoff. Oh, hold on. about ripoff. No, F-Zero ripoff, because this game came out before F-Zero GX. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a ripoff. It plays relatively differently, but it's also that kind of like super high speed racing game um, in the same veins. I thought, you know, and I remember liking this game a lot last time I played it, so I'm looking forward to going through this one again. Um, The third racing game that we've done now, we went F-Zero Burnout 3, and now we go back to the hyperspeed with uh, Pod Racer or Episode One Racer. What a terrible name! The th- the thing is, I just at the time when we did Episode Six, um, I didn't recommend F Zero GX because honestly, as an introduction to the racing game genre, <laughs> so it was bad. Quite, it's pretty intimidating. <laughs> like it was really tough. But in hindsight, like the more I've thought about it and my experience playing it. I have so much respect for F-Zero GX as a racing game. Like, it feels kind of like, like I wish I'd come to it with a bit more experience. And I, But I think if I were to play it through again, I would recommend it. It's just that it was, it was a grind, man. Like, it, I died so many times trying to finish those Grand Prix. You have no idea. It was just hours and hours and hours of just trying to come in first on normal difficulty. So, but I think that, like as a game, it's excellent. So I, I'm kind of doing Pod Racer because I want to do more games like F Zero GX. Well, I think we'll uh, get through this one a lot easier. I was able to do it as a kid, um, although I do remember some of the harder levels being quite challenging. There's a a lot more customization in this mm. game than there was in the other ones, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, the more RPG elements. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to be a, a point of contention, to be honest, but uh, we'll see. Alrighty, well that about does it. Thank you once again, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next fortnight for Pod Racer. Bye.